exactly one year ago today, I was sitting in this parking spot at uh, Gracie San Clemente, and it was it was in this spot that the Holy Spirit put on my heart to go visit my dad at Kaiser Anaheim. So I got in the car here, and I texted my wife. I said, "I don't know why." but I need to go see my dad in the hospital. And then as I, as I drove off, as I was taking off right here through the alley, I said, I don't, I don't know why I'm, I'm crying and emotional, but, but I am. And I just need to go see my dad. And then I said, I'm not gonna be home for dinner. That was, that was on my text message. That I drove to the hospital and then that's when I, I saw my mom in the lobby. She wasn't expecting me. I didn't tell anybody I was going. And she was, uh, she was devastated. I think she knew in her heart that this was, that my dad had declined so much that maybe it was like a point of no return. And then I went to the hospital and I was, I was positive. I was sure that my dad would, would, would be okay. I told him that you're, People don't die from COVID. There's there's 99% survivable survivability, and I, I talked to him. I said, "Hey, in September, I'm gonna take you to the Mark Men for Christ event in the high desert, and it'll be no problem." And at the time, I had no idea what was really going on. I had I had no idea that um, he had. It had been a week since he received his uh, fifth dose of remdesivir. I did not know that the pneumonia that he was that he had contracted was from the remdesivir. I did not know that his kidneys were being shut down. I just thought I just kept thinking to myself like, Peep, this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen to me." This only happens to other people. And I couldn't believe that it was real. And, and I had I had a uh, like a low grade sense of shame. I didn't want to admit to anybody that that uh, he was in the hospital for, for COVID. I didn't want to admit to anybody for a while that that he was that he died because of it. And at the time I thought it was I thought he died because of COVID. And now a year later, coming to find out the truth that he did not die because of COVID or because he did not get pneumonia because of COVID. He, I, I didn't know it was all from, from remdesivir. And uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't know any of that stuff. Professor, see ya. So, I just today wanted to retrace my, my steps and sit in the places where I was a year ago and see and see where my where my heart my heart is. So before God and, and honest before being honest with God and myself, um, I'm in a good place. There's a million ways to die and not a single one of them surprises God. And there's a, there are a million ways where God, how God can take us home, 
and why does that why does it even matter so I think today where I stand with my pain is that uh, it, it brings me closer to God if if pain and grief and mourning is the means by which I'm I'm ushered into the presence of God and the, the means by which I, I experience his comfort through scripture as expressed through others in the community through his presence then then so be it and then I welcome I welcome that and I'm at full peace knowing that that uh, my dad is with the Lord I know my dad misses me misses my siblings misses my mom misses all of our family but not enough to want to come back to this place he'll just say I'm good I'll wait for you I'll just wait for you guys to come here that brings a smile to my face. Matthew 5, 4 brings a smile to my face. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That is true. I think that, that word there, I know that word there is uh, pentheo. It's, it's for the grief of the loss of a loved one. It's the most intense word for grief. But I also know in context, it, it, it's, it's got to be something in relation to the verse prior to that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? For theirs is the kingdom of, of God, kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And maybe the, maybe the, the mourning is in relation to being spiritually poor, being in need of, of spiritual uh, wealth, being being desperate for the Lord, I think um, being in desperate need of a Savior is what it means to be poor in spirit. And um, I'm I'm in desperate need of a Savior when I come to when I come to terms with with my sin in my life and how sin has affected me in my life. And I mourn my sin. I mourn my grief. I mourn the choices and the way that I have reacted because I am experiencing pain. And pain that's not transformed is transferred, i.e., my, my anger turning into sin, and I mourn all mourn all of that. I also know that that the heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. So regardless of the pain going on around me, I'm addressing now what's going on inside of me, and I think there has to be um, forgiveness in my heart especially with my two options either my dad was murdered or he or he wasn't either either the uh, the administering of five doses of remdesivir two weeks after he had contracted covid either that was nefarious or or they really thought that it would it would help and, and it was an accident either case if the issue is my heart is is bitter towards the organization of Kaiser, um, the the government for offering twenty percent bonus for administering remdesivir, whether it's bitterness for the for the young doctor at Kaiser who administered it, well, I, I I believe what God is calling me to do is to to cancel all those debts, to say nobody owes me anything. Hey doctor, you don't owe me a thing. You didn't take my dad's life. God took his. God took him home. Um, whether it's 
the government and the NCTAP program saying, hey, whoever uses remdesivir gets 20% bonus. What's that to me other than I need to choose to be Christ-like and forgive and cancel those debts? Um, is it for me? Here's another thing that that I have to be honest about is, is it my job to go after what I think is corruption in the hospitals and in the government system? I'm not convinced that it is my job. I think that that is something reserved for the Holy Spirit. I think that's not my job. I think it's my job to get my eyes on what God is doing in me in the midst of my pain. I think it's my job to role model what it looks like to go through grief and pain. I think it's my job to, to role model complete, transparent, vulnerable honesty. I think God is calling me to, to display what it looks like when someone admits where they're at, exactly where they're at, and that's it. Just to, just to let God meet me exactly where I'm at and not to wish I was further along in this grief process because to this day, one year later, it's it still hurts. I, I, from time to time, I will will experience just this overwhelming grief and become and come to tears. At the same time, my eyes are open now and sensitive to everybody around me who could be possibly going through some grief. And I think that's why Pastor Rick Warren uh, posted on Twitter a long time ago that he, for his senior staff, he only hires people who have been through some sort of trauma or grief or intense suffering. I'm paraphrasing it, but it, he said that, and it makes sense now. I can relate to those who have experienced loss, maybe injustice. I have a friend whose dad was murdered at gunpoint, just straight up murdered, and, and she took her pain and transferred it to being an instructor for Reboot Combat Recovery. I have a friend who, who uh, several friends who've lost their dads. One, one was to suicide, one was to to uh, an accident, one's training accident, one's one old age. There are a million ways to die and not a single one of them surprises God. So um, all, all this grief is just getting me to think a lot. It's getting me to think. And what I love the most um, about this grief journey is, is experiencing God's comfort through others. And at the same time, it's, it's sitting with someone who's going through some sort of grief and just having a little bit of, of, of empathy and sympathy. Like, like, I think I get what you're going through. I don't know exactly what you're going through. And then they're, they're, it gives me a moment, uh, time to listen and then really connect at a, at a deep, deep human level. And sometimes people will say, like, and you, you get it. And yeah, I know, I know loss. But in the end, I'm just going to spend today going through what I did a year ago. And at every every step of the way, if I'm reacting to things and getting angry, then I'll be able to step back and say, okay, I know, I'm, I'm still processing this. And if I don't heal what hurt me, then I'll bleed all, all over those who didn't cut me. And I have to, I have to constantly check my heart to, to know that um, 
forgiveness is is the most powerful thing. If I believe this thing was, my, if I believe my dad was murdered, then then I have got to get with forgiveness. I've got to forgive from my heart. Right here, right in the parking lot. I don't need to forgive anybody to their face. I need to forgive as I have been forgiven. I need to leave room for the wrath of God for, for vengeance because that belongs to him. That belongs to God, not to me. And I don't want to, I want to leave him for God's wrath if this is a situation that, that, that calls for it. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not omniscient. But I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. I want to share this with the world because I want to let everybody know that you are not alone. If you're going through grief, you're not alone. And let's, let's all grieve together in community.